ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between. Welcome to another episode of the Chaps Chat Cats. My name's Jake, and I'm joined in the Zoom studio by Sambo and Johnny. How are you, chaps? Pretty good. Pretty good. Good, good. Good. Yes, I am. It's good. <laughs> Overwhelmingly positive. How, how are you, Jake? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for asking. Yeah, no, good. It's been a good weekend. It's been a long weekend. A lot of sport consumed. What about you guys? How's your weekend been? I've worked and watched one game of football. No, two, uh, three games of football. And that was, that was good. Uh, yeah. And the F1s. Yeah, I, I just, the only sport I consumed was the football, the Cats AFLW, and then the two men's finals and apart from that it was a very very normal low-key weekend yeah well um, a low-key weekend for most of us but uh the footy wasn't low-key um there was some crazy results obviously in the men's the melbourne um out in straight set result was absolutely just on acid couldn't believe it um when it happened couldn't believe yeah, I I thought there was not a hope in hell going in. I mean, once the match sort of developed and you could see Melbourne started to pilfer away chances and stuff. Did you did you think they were a chance before the game, John? I did. I thought all week that Brisbane would win. Mm, I just why? had a feeling that Brisbane would win. <laughs> yeah, jo- Johnny and I. Johnny and I had this discussion. Johnny and I, yeah, okay. I think live on the podcast mm. mid like during the season, the last time they played. Yeah. Kind of went, yeah, no way, no way Brisbane beats Melbourne. But then we had a private conversation then leading up to this game where we just went, I think we think Brisbane got this one. <laughs> mm, interesting. I wish you'd shared that with me. I think I think there's a few things. I think Melbourne's <laughs> Melbourne's form was just so like patchy. And they really they really hit their stripes and then skidded again. I felt mm-hmm. like it it just wasn't it wasn't like a it their their good run towards the end of the home and away wasn't it didn't feel like a good patch of form it just felt like a little bit of a a little bit of an exception to the rule um mm. for their year they were banged up as hell i mean petrarca had a great game but he was still playing with a broken leg <laughs> like <laughs> there's just so much going on i thought and i just felt like just felt like brisbane had the x factor i feel like they often do in finals um and it just it just felt like one of those ones, and it was. <laughs> yeah, I just thought Melbourne just looked tired, not really there anymore. They just looked worn out, exhausted, couldn't be bothered, and yeah, they a- just they just can't run out games anymore. Melbourne this year, they really struggled to finish games strongly. There's like a hunger though too that was absent. Like, I think it's really hard. Like, we, you take for granted, and who knows, they might turn around next season and, and, and go again and all that sort of thing. But, like, this is something that, as Cats fans, gets taken for granted. Being competitive and, and, and desperate to win every year, it's hard to maintain, hard to physically maintain it, you know, with injury and that sort of thing. But maintaining the, um, the hunger is hard as well. And I thought that you could see that in Melbourne. They weren't quite as sharp this year. They didn't quite have that absolute ravenous hunger, you know, that they did last year. Um, 
it's just something you can see, I think. that It's just not quite there. They could have probably put Brisbane away, though, because they had so many chances um, sort of in that first half where you, they could have put it you know, numerically beyond Brisbane. But when they didn't do that, you could just feel the tide turn and, and Brisbane, mm. yeah, overrun them. So, so good call on you boys. Can you please share with me in future when you have these, <laughs> these, these feelings, because it would have impacted well, other decisions that I may have made. Um, well, but even, the, even though I had a feeling that Brisbane would win, I still didn't do my tips the finals. No, I didn't, I <laughs> yeah. didn't either. I've given up, I'll the up on the tipping. Um, and, and then obviously Collingwood just flat out just that was just to- toyed with Freo. That was not not much of a matchup I, in the end. I think if anyone thought Freo had any real chance, I think they were just hoping yeah. more than anything. I, I was sort of the same. I was like, oh, yeah, Freo, they do have a chance. I think I was just more hoping that Freo would knock Collingwood out. But deep down, I knew Collingwood was just going to be too strong. Mm. Yes, indeed. And they were. But That's not how it happened. About him. No, fuck no. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We're here to talk about uh, one of the most high-intensity games of the weekend, chaps. And I was at work uh, having to watch this particular contest, uh, which was <laughs> a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> trying not to Especially lose my... Come just wait. <laughs> Fucking wait. Having to restrain myself um, at several moments in this game. The Cats hosted the Collingwood Magpies in the AFLW Week 3 down at Cadinia Park. We were interested to see how the Cats would hold up against one of the league's best teams. I would say one of the the league's most experienced teams. Uh, Well, hold up, they did. The Cats held the Pies goalless through the first half. They didn't kick a goal themselves either. The Cats, it was one point each at quarter time. It was one to three at halftime with the Pies holding the advantage. The Pies smacked a goal in uh, via a free kick. I was reliably informed that four of the Pies' five scoring shots on the afternoon all came from free kicks, interestingly enough. Um, The Pies kicked a goal in the third, and I thought... Last season's cats would have crumbled maybe at this point. You would have seen a few shoulders drop, a few heads droop. Uh, The cats didn't do that. The cats, after that Collingwood goal, went into absolute overdrive, took over the game, went down and got an immediate response themselves, um, bossed the majority of the last quarter, only to not be able to put it on the scoreboard. They had six scoring shots in the second half to Collingwood's two vitally Collingwood put their two scoring shots through the big sticks. The Cats managed just the one goal for in the second half. They lost 15 to 11. But Chaps, um, while the the battle was lost, uh, the war is yet to be won uh, for the Cats, who I think, just as a general note, showed that they are going to hang with most fucking teams this year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They're going to um, 
be there, be there and around. That's my bad as a host, John. That's my bad as a host. You know, like I like last couple of weeks, I've I've not thrown to one of you, and I'm realizing that that like that's that's it's it's a coachable moment for me. It's a teachable moment for me. Like I really should tee one of you up, Sambo or Johnny. Um, leaving it to you guys. I understand. Like it's 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 letting it's a letting go of the wheel and the ship sometimes sails you know, into still waters. You know what? <laughs> Over to you, Johnny. People listen to is not a, a structured podcast. It's, it's more of a free for all. Whatever the fuck happens, happens. Yeah, they're not here for structure and good okay. Play, no, like if you're cool with it, I'm cool. For a fans, fans, um, point of view. I'm, I'm also happy that you do give a structure and direction mm. every now and then. But I also think the fans, you know, not going to be going. Oh. Who's it going to throw to this week? Oh, who's going to? It's just free for all. <laughs> Look, yeah, there's nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with a bit of dead air. You know, you need, you no. need, uh, you need, sh- you need shade to uh, to cast the light into sharp relief. You're not also. So, uh, <laughs> I think I think those awkward moments when no one speaks just makes everyone appreciate when someone's speaking all that much more. Anyone else that does is when you have dead air, it freaks people out. Going, what the fuck? Did it pause? Yeah. Did yeah. I've uh, done something? Did my phone die? <laughs> oh, my, my Bluetooth headphones are run out of charge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the, <laughs> the, the car's died. I don't even know if it's yeah. if it's running. Can't hear the engine. Someone, can't hear speaking. Someone could be um, behind the wheel and feeling a bit sleepy and it's dead air. Could have gone, wake him up. Wake up, <laughs> yeah. Well, with, with, this is a public service we run here. That's right. Exactly. Well, with that that sort of communication, I mean, I think it's important. It's transparency for the listener. You know, it's good for them to hear. You know how mummy and daddy solve conflict. You know, I think that's a really good that's a really good sort of thing. Um, so, John, continue on. Depends with on the point. age what of the you, listener. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of of the uh, the match, John? Uh, it was. A frustrating game in the end to have to deal with. I think, yeah, dis- disappointment on many levels. As, as cat keeps rubbing up against my phone. Um, John's getting rubbed on, apparently. Yes. Um, yeah, it was. It's another one of those tales of last year of like so close of getting a really good win, and you could feel that the just couldn't quite take the opportunities they should have many times but i'm not sure if it was a little thing in the back of the head of going we need this goal or there's some other external stuff going on but i just yeah i think i think they would all feel really disappointed about this this loss because i think they they should have won it they had every every opportunity to win it and they just unfortunately weren't able to take those opportunities but um overall it was a really awesome display of you know defensive the defensive structure and midfield structure. unit structure working really well like the defense can hold the heads up by keeping the pies to two goals and only 15 points is pretty fantastic yeah. when the pies have been tied as a really probably the best team of the year so they can definitely hang the hat on that and I think the only area that let him down massively is just that in, gone inside 50. There was a lot of times it was very, felt very 
directionless. Mm. Just get it in there. We'll get in there and see what happens. And the pies just fed off that. They were just happy for the ball to come in like that. And um, Livingston was just... Yeah, she was a beast. That's a beast. Like someone that tall and that strongly built can move that fast is mm. just crazy. But um, I think the Cats will learn a lot from this game and go on, you know, and just get better from it. Do you think, like, to uh, Sambo, like, that, that it's it's actually a positive that we as fans and fanalists are disappointed? Because I feel like if you went back a couple of years, you went, holy shit, you know, we held Collingwood to 50. You know, like, we, we, we could have won that game. And now it's like, we should have fucking won that game. Like, yeah, I think, and I think there was a turning point last season. I can't, unfortunately, uh, shamefully remember the game, the specific game, but heading into it, heading into the game, we were discussing the expectation. Um, and we sort of made the point that it might be a bit of a turning point for that year, for last season. If they mm-hmm. don't win the game, then we can sit back and just enjoy the cats having an AFLW team and support the players and enjoy the vibe and get around them. But if they, if they win it, then our expectations should level up. Um, we should, you know, we should start holding on to the 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 hope and the expectation of of more wins and more success. And they did win that game. As I said, I can't remember who who the opposition was at the time, but it just felt like a bit of a turning point for the team and for the the whole, you know, the the members and the fans and everyone as well. And so I think this year is reflective of that i think we're expecting competition we're expecting them to be competitive to come away with the wins um and the way we the red hot start from the year has only increased that so i think i think it is a good sign because it means that you know i think it's great to be there and support the team when they're not doing well and still still get around them and and do your bit but it's it's a sign of improvement when you dis- when you are disappointed that you didn't come away knocking off one of the top teams and you came really close, you know, as, as John, I think John's spot on when he pointed out the, the one area that was really quite a letdown, which has unfortunately been a little bit patchy all season, but we've just done enough to scrape by. And you could, you just got the sense in that last quarter <clears throat> that it wasn't going to be enough to scrape by. We were going to have to really shift some stuff in that in that three quarter time huddle and come out with some some thus far unseen proficiencies in that forward half of the ground which of course we didn't we didn't do but yeah we we, we came really close and it's it, i think i think you're right i think it's good to be disappointed in this scenario and frustrated not to a negative or overly critical degree but enough that they'll learn from it and come next time hopefully we'll get a different result I was amazed at, you know, something we spoke about before this game was like Collingwood are so physical, but they're so physical. They're mm. so tough. They are going to try and, you know, bully you around the ground. And and what I was amazed by, I think I put a tweet out earlier, was like, cats are here to play. Like cats were not backing down. They were not taking a backward step. They were going as hard and fast as they could. Um, I, I honestly, my one of my biggest takeaways was, I at some point it's got to you know all this hard running and hard tackling and physicality it's got to it's got to wear us down 
It's got to wear the slightly less experienced team down. But we actually got stronger as the game went on. Like, it, it was... I actually think that the siren came at a really good time for Collingwood because across that second half, after that Collingwood goal, like, the response was really, like, marked. Geelong just went into this, like, frenzied overdrive for the remainder of the game after that Collingwood score in the third quarter and, and took the game over on, you know, everywhere but the score sheet. Like, and the Collingwood goal they got was one sort of on the counter-attack going back the other way. The Cats won contested possessions, 91 to 86. They won the tackles, 58 to 48. Um, they won the clearances. I thought that was massive for the Cats against a really experienced Collingwood midfield. Won the clearances, 24 to 19. Um, I just thought it was a massive display. And did, did you guys feel that as well? Like, I really thought, I was really bitterly disappointed in the loss. But a, a, a positive sort of takeaway for me was I kept, I was waiting all for the first half for them to blow the doors off us at some point for us to you know they would finally break us down. But if anything, we weathered, 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 and then counterpunched. Yeah, I was pretty much the same, waiting for that moment where Pies would just get one goal and then quickly get another and another, and just you know the floodgates, as you said, would open. But it never happened. And yeah, I think there's it's just that de- defensive structure, structure that they've got set up is just working marvelously. They, you know, I think possibly could be the most miserly defensive unit in the game, possibly. Yeah. Um, which is fantastic. You know, you need a good defense to win games, not let people score easily. And I thought the Pies. We really had to work extremely hard to get goals. Even when they were moving it from their defensive 50, there was moments where I was going, oh, shit, they're moving this so easily. They're going to hit out the player inside their forward 50 and they're going to get an easy goal. It's going to run out the back. But 50 to 80% of the time, the Cats are able to either intercept, break up the play and get it out of defensive 50. So, yeah, it's just um, really great to see that defensive unit play the way they did and never give up, never succumb to that pressure and just keep on repelling each and every attack the pies throughout them. The Cats the cats have now conceded 27 points in three games. So so nine, nine points per game um, they've given up so far. Now, like, as far as scoring back the other way, like, it's an issue. They've scored 53 points. The only teams who have scored less are Fremantle and Hawthorne. So, like, the cat, the Cats do need to work that out. Um, one thing I really liked, uh, Sambo, was some of the link-up play coming out of the back. Like, Collingwood had us under all sorts of pressure, and I kept waiting for the turnover to happen. But, like, the cleanness and speed of hands... Uh, and link up when we're moving the ball out of the back line, I thought was as good as we've seen it for the Cats. Yeah, it did feel like the the culmination of last year and the start of this year in in those areas that we've been really strong in. Um, yeah, some of the some of the link up play and that sort of almost telepathic connection between the mm. between the players to get out of trouble and to to keep 
keep the such immense pressure not feeling like so much pressure um you know i feel like some of the players looked like they had all the time in the world even when they didn't um which is yeah that's really nice to see because you know a couple of those quick hand passes i did feel like that thing again of sometimes we could have done an extra hand pass or an extra short kick before smacking it along once we got further. Yeah. And I think just quickly on, you know, talking about the sort of the, the marked answer from the cats, it's, it's a really weird scenario because I feel like our back line and midfield are working so well at the moment. Um, and then when we did answer, I feel like it was those areas that we were already doing well in that stepped up again. I didn't feel like there was a huge improvement in the in the forward line and the delivery into 50 and the usage of the ball or the pressure once it got into the 50 but it did it yeah it felt like that certain certain elements of the team were already operating at such a greater efficiency and then when we needed a response they were the ones that stepped up again so again not to be too negative but i do really feel like it's time to 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 focus on on that on on the the that final delivery um, as as John's catchphrase last year was, lower the eyes, lower, <laughs> lower. You know, I, I think it, it sounds so simple, but it's you know to compare it over to the the final we watched. That was one of the huge differences in the Brisbane v Melbourne game. They did a lot of the, you know. There's a lot of other differences. Lockie nearly stepped up, but their delivery inside fifty for the first, you know, for the first half of that game, I was going, why are they just bombing it? They're floating it. And Melbourne feeds off floating high balls. Like mm. Gorn and May and, and Lever can pick off those all day long. And one of the things that Brisbane really did was just speed up and lower those deliveries, hit chests, not yep. aim for a screamer above a pack. Um, and I think that's certainly something that could help the Cats. Look, make leads, look for a lead hit them on the lead don't don't kick it into a stationary pack because especially against collingwood like their you know their defense was just going to eat that up all day but don't you think too like another thing that i i kept wanting to do late in the game was like just chaos ball it like not even not even Mm. like as in not high but scrub a kick along the ground into the 50 take livingston's aerial ability out of it take collingwood's aerial ability out of it because I felt like that was kind of where a lot of our threat came from is when the ball maybe hit the deck and Julia Crockett grills and mm. Prasparkas. Prasparkas is one for me who could burst through a pack, grab a ground ball and snap a goal. And what it does is it draws pressure. You could see that was the way we earned that goal through Georgia Clark was the ball was on the ground in Collingwood's forward line and eventually they panicked and gave away a free kick. And, and you get a score. And I think sometimes we're a little too worried about finding a mark inside 50. Um, like you say, if you can't get a clean delivery into a lead, put a chaos ball in because I actually feel like that's where some of our forwards are most dangerous and it panics the opposition because suddenly you've got the ball hitting the deck and the cats apply so much pressure that that the opposition defense are, are instantly worried. You know, you're in a state of anxiety because like, well, I can't take a mark here. I've got to take possession and the cats are going to be all over me. Um, I'll, I just, 
I, uh, you know, like I don't like to speak negatively about players and that sort of thing, but I'll, I'll, I'll just say that I, I feel like um, Shiri is trying to do a bit too much at the minute. Chloe, she mm. is, you know, desperate to be that match winner. But for me, there were a few occasions where it was just like too, too much. A simple kick or a simple handoff to someone, um, trying to win it all, all the time, kind of thing, and and do the spectacular. And I don't know, am I sort of alone in feeling that way after three weeks? No, no, I, I agree. Yeah, I think she's. Trying to, it seems like she's trying to play midfield and forward a bit too much. There's sort of that indecision where she wants to play. She doesn't um, seem to have a really clearly defined role to me. No, and I think that's what, as we've said many times, like on the podcast, players thrive off having a clearly devi- uh, defined role in the team, and I think she's one that definitely needs that role nailed down. And she says she wants to play midfield, but it's it's going to be hard to crack into that midfield at the moment. I think I think they need to chuck her forward and be that big, tall, jumping forward line player because she's got yeah. a good run, yeah. good mark. She's got a good kick. But at the moment, it feels like when she goes forward, it's like waiting for that time to go back into midfield. Um, but yeah, it's... I don't know. She's just hasn't reached that level she was at. She was getting to in that first season of this year. And, um, yeah, been a bit, a little bit let down by the way she's playing and hopefully she can, you know, step up um, in the coming weeks because um, I think she can be an important player for the Cats and be a, a good leading goal scorer for the Cats. Yeah, I, I, I just think, like, if you're looking for a player, Sambo, like, in that forward 50 that you're like, I want the ball in her hands inside the 50, like Shear would have been an instant name for me to to go. Well, that's the play you want to funnel. You know the 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 scoring opportunities through. I mean, you saw how well she played that last quarter against Brisbane last year, where she suddenly mm. just almost single handedly turned the match on it on its head. And she's like that. To me, she feels like the one genuine marking like forward type player that we have that you put her in the fifty, and it genuinely concerns the other team when the ball goes nearer. Yeah, I mean I I still hold by that I would like her ideally to be making making runs from from say the 30 35 to the edge of the 50 and taking the marks around around the 50 to the outside of the 50 um because I think she's got such a penetrating accurate kick um that I think she can she if if you if we had another genuine target or two some real you know, um, if McWilliams was still there, et cetera, I think that's where I'd want Shear to play because I think Shear's pressure and tackling would be the most useful around that arc just inside and outside the 50 as well. So if she can hover around that area and then make, you know, push deep, drag a defender and then make her run back to the 50 um, to take a mark to then either, you know, roost, roost one, and get a goal or set somebody else up. That's my ideal spot, I think, for her talents. And I think it would be a very streamlined approach. You know, when they put the ball, just pressure in that area, pressure in that sort of like, you know, 30-meter 30, 30 arc around the around the 50 line. Um, 
and then when we've got the ball drag defenders and make runs in that sort of area that's but but that really hinges on having a forward line ahead of her that she can then turn and hit up so we just don't at the at, we just don't at the moment so yeah in in that sense i'm not i'm not too sure so I, I guess i fall back on what you're saying of going we'll put her up there because at least she'll at least she'll she'll fuck with the defense a bit you know at least she'll cause some chaos hopefully yeah totally um but the problem is the person that i want to be delivering the ball to shia is shia yeah <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, like the problem yeah. with once we do that, I don't know who can deliver to her the way she could deliver to a forward. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the problem, isn't it? And I think, I think that's where the midfield needs to learn how to, I think they just need to learn how to work with that forward line. And I still think the forward line is still very indecisive of who's going to be the main focus. It sort of feels like possibly Perry could be, and then that's also Kate Darby is sometimes there. And then it could be Julia Crockett Grills is the one they're aiming for. I think they need to sort of just go. This is our number one target. If it's not going to be her, this is the next person in in line. If it's not them, who's next? Because at the moment it's just bombing in. Whoever gets there gets there, and I, I think. I think Darby could do that one because she leads. She was leading really well in that Collingwood mm. game. Had some good leads, took some good marks. Um, I wasn't unfortunately able to take kick opportunities, but mm. I, yeah, I just think they need to nail down now. Nail down that number one key forward. It could be Sheer, but yeah, they they seem to work it, work on it and decide who they're going to go to. Number one work with the midfield because I think the midfield defensive unit is set. No more tinkering with that. Just, you know, keep working on it because it's, you know, nine points in three games. You can't get any better than that. Yeah. And I think there's a misconception too about the cats. Um, you know, I think everyone assumes that they're throwing players behind the ball. And, and that to me is not the case at all. Like the defensive pressure is all around the ground. Like it, to me, it's not a selling out to stop the opposition from scoring it, you know, our low scoring for me comes from an ineffectiveness of the forward line, like the forward mm. process. Do you know what I mean? Like some people are, Oh, Geelong, they just parked the bus. Like that's not the case at all. We're pressuring them everywhere, but the forward, the, the forward process at the moment, the system isn't producing results. Like, uh, yeah, that's how I kind of feel about it. I, I don't think we're, we're selling out at the cost of the attack. At the minute, we're just not reaping any results up forward, sort of thing. They're they're not related for me. You know, some people I think think Geelong just a, you know, a team that doesn't have a, they don't have an in inclination to attack. But that's totally totally the opposite, in my opinion. Anyway, you know, I I agree. I I think that this is. I think the lack of, the lack of, um scores against is a hundred percent part of the plan and the lack of scores for is is really the the falling down of the plan i you know i think i think we will ideally be be being this miserly and keeping people this this low but also you know kicking and i don't i don't think necessarily we're going to be kicking an absolute buttload of goals 
Mm. But but I think you know a, a handful enough to enough to have a, a good two two three goal buffer by the end of the game is is to be expected by the end of by the end of the uh, the season or hopefully some point within it. The yeah, Fremantle absolutely. game was kind of an example yeah. for me. Mm. Definitely, you want sort of that level of great defence, good attack, and at the moment. The- the attack's good enough to go up against teams that are around the Cats level. But as soon as it gets to those, you know, top-tier teams like Brisbane, Collingwood, possibly Adelaide, I think that's when, yeah, it's, 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 it's struggle. They struggle a bit to work that forward line as well. And as I said, it's a perfect opportunity to learn from this mm. game and learn what they can do in that forward line to be better and you can't learn if you keep on winning you you need to have that capacity too in in the aflw i think you've got to be kicking somewhere you know in the range of four to eight goals a game you you need to be able to go in and go we're going to hit somewhere around there you know four four can't be the ceiling you kind of need to turn up everywhere and go okay we can average a goal a quarter or we can average you know five six goals a match that's just our floor we know we have a process that we can go and score 30 40 points if we need to, or, or that's the expectation every week, somewhere between that sort of 28 and 40 points. And it's possible because other teams are doing it. Look at the Bombers coming in. They just put 80-something points on the Eagles in their first season. They went over to West Coast and fucking gave them a bath um, by 52 points. It's possible. You look at Brisbane, and Brisbane are very experienced, So, but it's not just an experience thing. There's a system thing that you can work out. Um, like, if you look at the goal kickers for the Cats this year, it's two for Prasparkas, midfielder, two for Georgia Clark, who's a forward, one to Nina Morrison, midfielder, one to Julia Crockett-Grills, who's kind of a little bit midfield floating forward kind of. But, you know, no no goals for Derby, no goals for Skinner, no goals for Shear, no goals for Maloney. Um, so yeah, you're not getting the goals from those forward players. Like Prasparkas has had the most scoring shots for us. She's had two goals, two through three weeks. Um, and often looks the most dangerous player up forward in the 50, uh, a, a, a player that I'd really like to talk about is Olivia Fuller. Um, because probably for the third week in a row, I thought, she she topped her best again. Like we we've said it every week, and I, I think it's worth saying again. Like um, her stats, and it goes beyond the stats, but the stats validate. I think what you watch. She had nine touches, but two marks, twenty hitouts, five tackles, and it's like watching a different player. She like just to me seems to know where to put her body, know how to like outmuscle the opponent, knows how to command the clearance. Um, I think she was a big reason why the Cats won the clearances. Some of the, some of the service down to Prasparkas was like, here it is on a platter. Away you go. Definitely. It was, again, I think she's a key example of a player having a clearly defined role in the team. Mm. And she's thriving in it. As we said last week, it's... She, her and Kate Darby are 
tag team tag teaming that um rock really well. Al Fuller being the number one, obviously, and then Darby pitch hitting when she needs to. But yeah, Liv Fuller talk about taking opportunities with both hands, and you know, she's part a uh, big reason why the Cats' defense is working so well. You know, getting the first clearance helps a lot. Mm. And the next step is, of course, fixing up those entries inside 50. And that's just a time, time thing. Do you, do, uh, I think, um, like, just speaking about Georgia Clark before, like, I think she played about the, the type of game you would want from Georgia Clark. She had six disposals, three marks, three tackles, and a goal. Well, that's perfect. If you got that every week or most weeks from Georgia Clark, that's that's plenty. I want to ask you, Sambo, about Zali Friswell, because I know she was one of your favourites mm. last year. She had 15 touches, four marks, a tackle. What do you, yeah, what, where where are you sort of at with Friswell? Um, she was probably the fourth leading disposal getter for the Cats. Like, she had plenty of the footy. What are you seeing in year two for Friswell? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think she's blown the roof off where mm. she was at, I think her, I think her progress has been a real steady, uh, consistent push forward. Um, I think she's, you know, and part of that is because I feel like she started so well with so much. You know, it was kind of very obvious that all she needed was more time, more and and not more time to develop, but more actual game time. More, yeah, because I think her innate um, understanding of football and her. Um, her natural talents and her technique was so on point. It was really just a bit of time to get up the confidence, a bit of strength. Um, I think she, I think she's done really well. I think she's, um, there's a couple of times still where you can tell she's, she's a little bit of a greenhorn. You know, there's mm. sometimes her decision-making under pressure, I think is still probably the last little thing to tweak up a bit. Um, but I think she's great. I think like, I think she, she looks like she's been, you know, and maybe she has been, but she looks like she's been playing football since she was, three years old, you know what I mean? Like the way she, the way she carries and her, her kicking technique. Um, so the way she carries the football, sorry. And the way she carries herself, I think it's, yeah, she just seems like such a pro footballer. Um, and I think, I think the best is yet to come, but I'm, I'm really happy with where she's at um, after last year. But as I said, I think it's a pretty steady trajectory thus far. Well, I feel like she's that one of those players. I was just looking at the average disposal. She ranks sixth. For the cats at the moment for average disposals per game she's getting 13 touches of the footy disposal efficiency down at 51.3 percent um so like definitely the lower half of the team but to me she is the player she's putting herself in good positions to receive the football and i feel like she's also one of those players who's eventually going to be one of the people delivering the ball from midfield to forward like she gets in good mm. overlap spots and that thing's so like, she does a lot of her work in space. She's not a big contested footy winner, but yeah. So I, I guess that's why I was interested to, to sort of hear. Um, yeah. Where, where you were at. Becky Webster tore it up, Johnny. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You know, like a ton of the footy she had 19 touches, couple of marks, couple of tackles, but, she leads the cats uh, at the moment in terms of meters gained. She's playing that sort of, you know, Isaac Smith, um, Tom Stewart in t- in terms of the driving the team down the field. Like she she averages eighty 
Um, 84 more meters per game gained than the next closest player. She's up at 329 meters per game. Um, also, I believe, has taken the team inside 50 the most um, of any player. Where are you, how are you feeling about Becky Webster's season thus far? And her uh, game on the weekend. Mightily impressed. Uh, she's just like Amy McDonald left off last season um, on a really good note and has carried on this season in similar fashion, only you know, looking better. Uh, Sam did say by stonks on her, and those stonks will be rising still. And yeah, I just think each game she just goes out there, knows her role. No, she's a leader of this team. She's so, I think that's also made her want to play even better, knowing that she is part of that leadership group and is a leading example and a good role model for all the players in the team. And yeah, she's just looking fantastic each game. Um, just goes in, does the hard work, gets it, tackles hard, runs hard, is kicking really well. Defending really well, yeah, it's just mightily impressed. I'm really happy for her because, um, you know, she's playing like a superstar that she is and getting to that Amy McDonald level. Yeah, in terms of the reliability, like, she's just such mm. a consistent performer. She's averaging 20 disposals per game. Um, now, her, her disposal efficiency is down, but I, I think that's also in part the way, you know, she's kicking for distance. Like, she's kicking downfield. She's not trying to hit short lead-up targets. She is trying to gain meterage down the ground for the team, uh, you know, provide that sort of counter-attacking um, thrust, you know, off the halfback, off the wing, you know, on the outside of the stoppage, all that sort of stuff. And do, um, you, do you guys think, sorry, just, just quickly, no like, as much as this would, I think, probably lead into people bitching and moaning the way they did about the men's playing a more controlled sort of style of play. But do you think there, do you think there's a call for with, you know, with the disposal efficiency, with our sort of, you know, uh, sort of lacking of a cutting edge heading into the 50, do you think there's a bit of a call to like pump up some of those disposal possession numbers a little bit for the, the ones like Becky Webster and like hit an easier target, just, just like, I think I've, I think I've already harped on it last week as well. But just like one or two more times before we go long. Don't you think the pies were a great example of how to move the ball quickly, but with efficiency? Like mm. I feel like we saw oh, that last great. year with, like, Collingwood were transitioning really fucking well, and 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 they weren't going around the edge of the field. It was like you know, kick out to someone on the edge of the 50. They hit someone in the center square and then they're off and running through the middle. Um, like, no, I'm with you. Like, I, th I think just surrendering to a shorter kick doesn't mean foregoing an attacking mindset. And, and if anything, that's what the men's team is doing this year. You know, it, it's still, it, it's, it's more aggressive but you're still looking to go kick to kick to kick. We're just moving it quicker and players are getting into space and presenting targets quicker. Um, mm. And so I guess- And, and some of that yeah. some of that might not be on the 
the disposer of the football. Some of that might be on the structure around it. We might not be filling in those spaces um, intentionally or unintentionally. The, the intention may, maybe the, the, you know, the word from on high is once Becky, once Amy, you know, once Nina wins it, just fucking run, <laughs> peel off and get as, get as far down. Maybe that's what's going on or maybe it's, it's incidental and it's, um, you know, just a bit of a, of a, of a breakdown in our structure there. Um, or the structure's there and we're burning them and and just smacking it on the boot as soon as we get it. I'd personally need to go back and re-watch to see, mm. like, my my gut instinct would be that it there's, like, there's some, some work that needs to be done in how the forward line is moving and structuring. Like, I think if you, that would be one of our least experienced lines on the field. Um, and perhaps even a place where we don't, one of our least, you know, pound for pound talented lines on the field is what's up forward. You know, I don't mean that as a dig at anyone, but I just think if you look where, you know, the 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 production is happening, it's down back in midfield. You know, I don't think we have those out and out options. What about you, John? Like, is it where, where do you think it's the delivery, or do you think it's what's being delivered to? I think it's a bit of a combination of both. As I said earlier, I think we just need that defined person who's going to be a key forward. I need to nail that down. Mm. And then as I said, working on sequence, if, she, if that player's not available, who's the next one are they going to go to? I think, yeah, I think they're just lacking that sort of transition inside 50 game plan ideas. Sort of at the moment, it's, you know, we'll get in there, we'll get that chaos ball. That's a good chance we'll either get a, a free kick from the uh, the opposition team panicking, or we get that goal at the back. And if we mark it, that's a good bonus. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's yes. Yeah, it's just that combination of both. Aware to kick it at the right time, because you know the player that they may want to kick to's got two players on them, or they kick it high and long, and there's enough time for the defence. To set up, yeah, I just I, yeah, I just think they need to clearly define who that number one key forward's going to be and work from there. What? Yeah, and, and I think right now it would be hard to nail down who that player is. And and when you have a focal point, although you don't want to be too, you know, one-eyed about we're only kicking to this player, there there is uh, something positive about having that obvious first option. And if you have a, ob- an obvious first option, it allows you then to improvise away from it. But also having an obvious first option means the other team's best defenders, like there's a focus for them trying to stop that that person. And, and right now, I, yeah, I, I'm still holding out hope that we can get Sheer involved more. Like to me right now, she's the most potent potential weapon that we have around the 50 um, f- for me. Like I still look at her and just go, she's everything that you would want because she's not only big and strong, she's so mobile too. Like she can, if the ball hits the deck, if it's in the air, she's she's such a complete package. So I, I, I guess I don't feel like we've yet got the best out of her. And the best I've seen her look was when we said, go forward against Brisbane last year. And just we're going to put the ball on you as often as possible. And 
Brisbane started worrying and they gave away free kicks and she took ripper marks. I don't know. That's just where I guess my, that's where my stonks are, are still invested, I suppose. Um, any other sort no, of thoughts fair. before we do some votes? Votes? No. Oh, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't think so. I think we've covered I, basically everything. I think, I think it's good. I guess I'll finish by just saying this. Like, I think it's good to be sitting here kind of frustrated because yes. last year, last year, and see, yeah, this would have been satisfactory. Four point loss to a really good Collingwood team with a chance to win it at the end. I think it's good. I think that's a sign of the times. That's a sign of development and, and, and progress. So happy with the effort and that the defense, that was a big tick for me. I wanted to see the defensive structures hold up. I think mm. I said that in the yeah. preview, and they did. So, yeah, and, and we did frustrate them. That you could see how how fucking rap they were when they got that goal. Mm. You know, like Collingwood, it was it was <laughs> it was such a massive relief for them because I think we got to the they got to the point where they were really actually starting to doubt themselves. Mm. Yeah, and I think um, as this was saying earlier this year, I think it was the second game for uh, recap. So I said. It's sort of got that to that time where close enough isn't good enough anymore, and I think I think the players are feeling that as well. It's mm. close enough isn't good enough anymore. They, they want to win these tight, close games, and I'm sure it's probably still be hurting them now that they let this one slip away. Because yeah, they as we said earlier, they've they had every chance to win this game and they just weren't able to capitalise, but. I think that hurt and that burn and that frustration of leaning a game slip will do them the world of good. Go, we need to get better in this area. So absolutely, it's it's definitely. I think a lot of learning, a lot of good stuff will come out of this game. Hundred percent. All right, let's crank into some votes. I'll lay mine out first so that I can be entering yours in the spreadsheet as we chat. I'm giving one vote. To Annabelle Johnson, um, there were so many times where a ball was headed deep inside 50. I was like, oh, shit, it's one-on-one. And Annabelle Johnson outmuscled or got in the way and intercepted. She led the team with five marks on the day. Ten disposals, seven kicks, three handballs, five marks. thought she was really good. She's so solid for mine. Um, she's been a favorite last season as well. I think she's playing really well. Uh, hasn't missed a beat, really. Um one vote there. I'm giving two votes to Liv Fuller because I was just blown away by the way she played, the way she's played all season. Um, and she gave us a real clear dominance for a lot of the game around the stoppages. Um, and I'm giving three votes to Georgie Prasparkas, who has just been fucking incredible. Um, just a threat wherever she is. And her ability, she, she is potentially for me, the best player on our team in terms of a ball is in traffic, bouncing in traffic at a clearance, and Prasparkas can hit it at full speed and spin out. Like her cleanliness of possession, uh, of picking up a ground ball, you know, under pressure, she's she's phenomenal. I absolutely love watching her play, um, and I hope she sees out her whole career in the hoops and that, fucking bombers don't come and try and poach her from us. 
So that's that's yeah. my th- three for Prasparkas. What there about you, you Sambo? Mine uh similar. I've given my one vote though to Becky Webster. Um nice. just another sterling effort. Uh I'm giving my two votes to Prasparkas. Um, but I'm giving I'm giving my three to to Fuller. I think it's yeah it's 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 pretty tough to get the three votes as a as a as a ruck woman. Uh, but yeah, if if the performances she's turning in don't get it, then I don't know I don't know what does. So yeah, I think I think her um her input has been phenomenal. Um, you know, and as we said, it's good we're getting better, so you can be critical. Um, uh, but she's one of the one of those elements that I just yeah I, I just don't think there's much to be critical of. I think she's she's fulfilling her role to a T every week and then the next week does it better. So yeah, three votes. I just want to nice. give quickly before Johnny, just before you give your votes, I just wanted to give a stat on yep. Fuller because I saw this um, while I was just looking over numbers before, while we were talking. Um, and that is just the, the amount of the hit outs that she's, she's got for the cat. So she is averaging currently, 17.3 hitouts. Next closest on the team is Kate Darby with four. Um, so she's Fuller's total hitouts 52. Um, and yeah, the the next closest is is Fuller with 12. Uh, Darby with 12. This is how it was last season. Fuller had 75 for the year, averaging 10.7. Darby had 54, averaging 5.4. So like. The, the ability now to let Darby do other things. And maybe that is a, a, a nod to, hey, let's get Darby playing up forward more um, and, and utilizing her as a target because she's really been freed up to do other things because Fuller's been able to dominate that position and make it her own, which is exactly what we asked her to do when we did Wheel of Grades at the end of the season. So, um, mm-hmm. John Doe, what about yours? Very similar to you guys as well. Very close. Very nearly identical to Sam. Nearly. Uh, my one vote is going to Becky Webster. Same reasons. Two votes, Georgie Prasparkas. Same reasons. But I'm giving my three vote, three votes to Annabelle Johnson. And I thought that was an immense game. Same reason as you brought up, Jake. Just out-muscled her opponent really well. Every time it looked like they were going to get a easy inside 50, Annabelle Johnson was there intercepting or tackling or clearing the ball and doing a really good job. And, and yeah, it just stuck in my mind that she played a really outstanding game and roll um, down back with Mega Megatron. So I thought the three votes is worthy. Yeah, and I have to Excellent. check, but I'm pretty sure um, Johnson has one of the higher um, disposal efficiencies for the cats as well. Um, she's a pretty reliable user of the footy. So does Claudia Gunjaka as well, actually. The, the, the back line in general are, are using the football really well. Um, oh, with the commentators with the pronouncing her name on the weekend as well. Oh, the commentators have just fucking given up on pronunciation. They still um, <laughs> don't Was know it, yeah, um, half, half the name. What were they there saying? Was, there, I had three different versions of Gunjaka's name. Gunlaka, Gunjaka, or something. I can't remember. There was one that was like Gunjaka. 
Like yeah, literally, it, it was like yeah. it was right out there. <laughs> kind of sure and then, and then yeah. there was, and then the classic ones, just Gunjacker instead. Yeah, Gunjacker. Yeah, yeah boy. <laughs> well, we interviewed Claudia Gunjacker, and she said that we got the pronunciation right. So, you know, we're pretty elite here at the chaps. Um, so the the fucking reason. <laughs> right. the, votes, the votes after three weeks we've got a tie for first place do you want to guess who's tied for first place two players uh, I... mcdonald and georgie Prasparkas. Oh, yeah you're correct amy mcdonald and georgie Prasparkas, both with 13 Fuller must be votes. up there right uh yeah mcdonald uh, meg mcdonald's is in third with nine olivia fuller is in fourth with seven nina morrison on five annabelle johnson on four and becky webster on three so they're the players so far with the votes chaps we've done it again we've got through another episode another episode i can't believe it just the the, the prolific nature of the podcast is you know just to be commended i'll just say that <laughs> <laughs> we're refining it each week aren't we absolutely we, just... we, we, cert- we certainly excrete a very consistent amount <laughs> at, the, at the shoot <laughs> it's almost without effort at this point it's just uh it's just a bodily function yeah so we uh get the uh the game into our eyeballs, goes into the brain, and the brain mushes all that information up, and it converts that into the mouth, and it goes into your eyeballs. Pop a squat over Spotify, and <laughs> <laughs> out comes another yeah. episode. I just, I just realised that that, uh, that that calling it Spotify is a reference that no one else will get. So I'm sorry for that because I also can't explain it because it'll throw someone under the bus. Okay. Uh, <laughs> All right. Oh, you know what it is, Jake. The uh, film film job for a particular politician that kept oh, pronouncing. Okay. Yeah, cool. Spotify. Spotify yeah. is the Spotify, and now I can't stop saying it, and <laughs> so I had to give it the Spotify. Well, ma- make sure you go and uh, give us five stars and a subscribe on the Spotify uh, and Apple Podcasts. <laughs> go follow us on Twitter and Instagram and all that. Importantly, but keep listening. You know what it sounds like? What? That sounds like someone trying to do a really poorly um, Italian or like uh, voice. Voice. Spider spy. Till next time. Go cats. Go cats.